going on, everybody, and welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Covington, and I'm joined by my guy. What's going on, everybody? I'm Quentin Douglas. How's everybody doing? Man, Quentin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, bro. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. But before we get started, we got a nice docket for y'all today. Uh, but before we get started, we do want to remind you of our social media accounts. On Instagram, you can follow us at first and foremost underscore sports. Uh, and that's first and foremost underscore sports. We're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. It's also titled uh, First and Sport- Foremost Sports Podcast. And also we have a Twitter. And also same thing, First and Foremost Sports Podcast. And that's also on all streaming platforms. We're the only the only sports podcast that has this name. So like I said, please follow follow our socials. You know, talk to us on there. You know, we're more than likely to interact with people. Right, and also just to plug us in as well on pretty much any podcast platform, you can find us at First and Foremost Sports Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow us. You'll get notified every time we release new episodes. Uh, and as always, appreciate you all for continuing to listen. Yep, but Quentin, let's go ahead and get started here today. As we have all seen, Steph Curry is on a historic scoring run all, so far this month in ten games. Uh, so I'm going to do something a little different today. Normally, I allow Quentin to start out, but for today, I'm going to start out. In the last 10 games, in no, excuse me, in the 10 games this month Steph Curry has played in, he's averaged 48, 40.8 points per game, six rebounds, four assists, shooting almost 55% from the field, 50% from three, and over 90% from the free throw line. That man is putting on a clinic. The likes of which we haven't seen since Kobe. In the last 10 games, he's made 72 three-pointers. That's the most ever during the 10-game stretch in league history. He's already made 260 three-pointers in 50 games this season. That's the most ever. He passed Michael Jordan and Kobe for the most 40-point games in a single month by a player 33 or older. He currently has five already. And it's just it's just ridiculous what he's been able to do. He has six games uh, with ten bad three pointers this season alone. Nobody else in history has more than five. And more importantly, Golden State is winning games during this stretch. They're six and four in their last ten games. They're currently uh, ninth seed in the Western Conference, sitting there at twenty nine and twenty nine. Uh, what Steph Curry's been able to do has been spectacular. Everybody know where the ball is going uh, in the clutch and the shot clock, but he's still finding a way to deliver. And, I mean, there's no way that you can have an MVP race without him in it. He's putting on a show and currently leading the league in scoring as well, uh, taking the lead of a Bradley Bill. Man, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Steph Curry, once again, is the hottest ticket in town. We know what he was capable of doing years ago when he went back-to-back MVP, specifically uh, the first unanimous league MVP in history. He's pretty much went back to that form. He's back, like you said, as the league's leading scorer. Last 11 games, averaging 40 of 40 piece. And, you know, he's also giving you six rebounds and almost five assists a night. And as you said, you know, these are only numbers we've seen Kobe and MJ put up who are regarded as arguably the two greatest scorers that we've ever laid eyes on. And looking at Golden State as a team this season, you know, they've lacked consistent talent, you know, namely Draymond Green. 
he's past his prime at this point in his career, even though, you know, he's still one of the premier defenders in the league. Klay Thompson, we know he's out this year with his injury. Uh, James Wiseman, the rookie for them, he's been banged up. But Steph Curry, he's put them on his back. And like you said, what he's been doing, especially in the month of April, has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, every night, you know, he's pretty much a guaranteed 40 point, uh, 40 piece. So, you know, in my opinion, I completely agree with you. He's basically put himself right back in the MVP conversation. I don't know how you ignore him at this point. Man, I, I'm, I didn't see this coming. I know he was an excellent scorer. I know he could put the ball in the basket with the best of them, but what he's been able to do this month is just, uh, flat out ridiculous. That man is a flamethrower. That's what he is. And he's showing why he's the greatest shooter ever. I completely agree with you. And, you know, we really came into this season after he was out last year with his injury. We were questioning whether or not at age 33, if Steph Curry was going to be able to carry a team, especially with the absence of Kevin Durant now, uh, coming off a significant injury. And usually... After age 30, NBA players decline. But, you know, another underrated part of his game, which at this point I don't know if it's really underrated anymore, but his handles and what that does for his game on offense, uh, it, you know, just unlocks a whole nother level like we've never seen before. Definitely. Uh, like I said, there's – the man could arguably be, you know – the MVP, any of the other season, you know, he might be in the front runner for the MVP of the league. Uh, but we also know that, you know, team success plays a part in it. Like I said, they aren't currently in the playoff picture as of, like, you know, right now, of course, at 29 and 29 at the nine seed. So I think, you know, if he wants to win MVP, he'd have he have to get him in the playoffs especially. I'm thinking he would have to try to get a top six, a six uh, seed at least uh, just to be seriously considered for MVP. But he's definitely in the race. I agree with you 100%. Definitely, you got to take into account those wins. Oh, yeah, definitely. But since we're mentioning the MVP, uh, that's the perfect segue to our next topic here. So me and Quinn are going to give you our updated top five MVP rankings. Quinn, I'm going to let you start with this one. Right, for sure. And a little caveat, of course, this is MVP rankings as of now. Uh, this really isn't a hundred percent maybe not a reflection of who I think will be MVP at the end of the season but before I start I want to ask you are we doing this five through one or we're going one through five we can go five through one all right all right so we, we that's cool we start with five because I believe this player is probably going to eventually fade out of the MVP conversation. I think right now he's just barely hanging on. But at five right now, I have Damian Lillard. Um, definitely this season, he's been the main cog in keeping Portland in the playoff race. You know, definitely CJ McCollum, he's been having a, a fantastic season himself also. But uh, Damian Lillard, especially in the months of December, through pretty much the all-star break, he was, uh, you know, going crazy. As I said, he's averaging 29 this year and 7.7 assists, nearly eight, uh, going 44% from the field, 38% from three, 
and 92% from the free throw line. Of course, right now, he's dealing with the hamstring injury. Um, and, you know, the six games before that, he really didn't seem like the Dame we seen this season. He was only averaging 21 in the month of April, and specifically six games before, only 19 and a half points. Um, so now that he sat out three games, it was reported that he's coming back against Denver tonight. So he'll be facing off against Denver. So, you know, that'll be a good opportunity. Hopefully the hamstrings healed up and he'll be able to make a statement against another possible MVP candidate tonight. I also have Damian Lillard as my number is number five, of my MVP race. Like I said, putting up 29 points, almost eight assists a game, shooting 44% from the field, almost 38% from three, almost 93% from the free throw line. He's been balling out. This is actually a career year in terms of three-point makes and three-point attempts per game uh, and free throw percentage. So Dame is continuing to get better even at age 30. He's been mostly durable, played 52 out of a possible 57 games. Uh, and Portland currently sits at fifth in the Western Conference, and that's – it's always tough. You know, year after year, Portland always finds a way to be, you know, in their top, you know, five or six seeds. And, uh, you know, shout out to Dame, who's been balling out this year, even with C.J. McCollum missing a significant amount of time, doesn't have any other all-star teammates or all-NBA performers. Matter of fact, I don't think there's anyone on the roster right now that won, you know, any kind of NBA accolade last season. So, they, they, you know, that goes to show, you know, how Dame is leading those guys and, you know, how that team is built. Uh, to not rely on one guy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, as I said, at this point, I think he's barely hanging in that top five. I wouldn't be shocked if by seasons in, he might slide out. Uh, but next up at four, I got Giannis. You know, you can't deny his numbers are still crazy. He's averaging only 28, 11, and 6. And at this point, with Giannis putting up these kind of numbers, we kind of just hit the snooze button on it because, of course, we know year after year so far in his career, he's come up short in the playoffs, um, you know, according to the standards of the all-time greats. But this year, the Bucks are still fourth in net rating in the league, coming in at 6.1. But, you know, like a, like a lot of these guys we're going to talk about on this list, He's also dealt with a, a injury of his own. Uh, he missed six games, banged up. Uh, and even since his return, you know, at the time we're recording this, the Bucks have lost two of their last three games. Um, so, you know, I think in his situation, at least from ultimately winning it this year, is going to be voter fatigue and, of course, the narrative that he can't win in the playoffs, even though this is a regular season award, but you know, I just don't think he's worthy of being a three time in a row MVP winner. Now I have, you know, a guy from the Eastern conference as my number four, but it's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's actually Julius Randle from the New York Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle is putting up tremendous numbers, almost 20, 24 points, almost 11 rebounds. Six assists for a game, shooting 40% from three, 80% from the free throw line. Uh, Randall is averaging a career high in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, triple doubles, and double doubles. 
He's only missed one game this year, uh, and they have the he have the he has the New York Knicks currently sitting at fifth place at thirty two and twenty seven. I don't think anybody saw that coming, and I think he's also leading the league in minutes or one of the you know two or three top guys. But he's been durable. He's been a baller night in and night out. Just came off of uh, putting up I think forty four ten and six uh, uh, you know last week against the Dallas Mavericks. So Julius Randle has I definitely th- is think is the most improved player this year. And for me, he has, has to be an MVP candidate. You know, I could see that's an interesting pick. Julius Randle definitely has been balling out this year. For me, though, stats definitely factor into this conversation a lot. And at least to the eye, you know, his stats don't say MVP to me. And, of course, I believe personally the Knicks' ascension has been more so a credit to Tom Thibodeau. And I believe they're like the league's best defense. But uh, coming up at three, I actually got the guy, you know, we've already talked about pretty much and what he's doing. But Steph Curry right now is third in my MVP ranking for sure. Um, You know, as I said, he's turned back the clock to his MVP form. He's the league's leading scorer, uh, averaging 40 in the month of April. He's just really going crazy. And, you know, he really stapled it with the MVP moment the other night against the 76ers. Of course, not only going for 49, but at the end of the first quarter, he hit a buzzer beater three in front of his brother. Uh, So that'll definitely be, you know, MVP type moment from this season. And, you know, Steph Curry heard the doubters and the critics this season. And, you know, he's he's definitely sending a message. Definitely. Steph Curry is balling out, and I actually have him at my three spot as well. Like you mentioned, he's been putting on a show night in and night out, averaging 31 points, nearly six rebounds and six assists a game. Uh, His usual semantics from three-point line, shooting over 40%, 90% from the fifth line. He's just a shade under 50% from the field. Career highs in three-pointers made per game and attempted per game, surprisingly. Uh, Hasn't missed many, only missed eight games this year. And like I said, he has Golden State in the playoff hunt. The man has been a monster, especially this last month or so. There's no way that we could have had a serious MVP discussion without Steph Curry. No, no way. But uh, next up in my two spot, I actually, which at this point for me, this is where I think there's a bit of a gap as far as the candidates go in this ranking. But right now I have Joel Embiid. He's just been a monster this season, putting up 30, 11, uh, three assists, 1.7 blocks. And, you know, he's shooting 38% from three. And as a center, 85% from the free throw line. Like I said, he's just been a monster this season. He's accepted his role truly as the leader of that Philadelphia team. He's undoubtedly the team's closer this year. And, of course, not only is he dominating on offense and putting up historic numbers, he's also a defensive player of the year candidate um, on the defensive end of the floor. So, you know, since he's come back from his knee injury, he's only been arguably just as good, uh, you know, putting up 30 and 10. And, you know, he had two statement games just last week, one against Brooklyn. He went for 39 and 13. And then against the Clippers, he went for 36 and 14. So, you know, even while the 
76ers have been dealing with injuries. They're actually five and two in their last seven games. So, you know, Joel Embiid's had this team on his back. You know, you definitely give credit to guys like Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and others who played well for them this year. But it's Joel Embiid that has them, you know, as arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference. Again, we agree. I have Joel Embiid as my number two as well. I know last time we discussed MVPs, I had him as my number one. But he has missed 18 games so far this season. And I think that's just entirely too many. Uh, The last guy to miss that many games and win MVP was Bill Walton back in the 70s. So, uh, like I said, I think it's just too, you know, I think he's just missed too many games. Averaging almost 30 points, 11 rebounds, uh, you know, almost two and a half steals and blocks combined per game. Over 50% from the field, 38% from three, 85% from the free throw line. Uh, He's been putting in work this year, and that's why Philly currently sits at the number one seed in the Eastern Conference at 39 and 18. Uh, Embiid is averaging a career high in points, steals, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, and also plus minus. So he's doing it, you know, on both ends. He's a monster defensively, as is Ben Simmons, and they have that team rolling. So, you know, like I said, I got Joel in it too. And I think he's just missed slightly too many games to be ahead of Jokic for, for me. Yeah, I'm glad you definitely pointed out, you know, really the biggest discrepancy between the top two candidates is the fact that Joel Embiid hasn't been available every night for the 76ers. But looking at his per 36 numbers, just a testament to how dominant he's been this year, his per 36 numbers of 33 points and 12 rebounds only have been matched in history by Wilt Chamberlain and then Giannis's MVP campaign last year. Uh, so definitely Joel Embiid, as I said, He's just been on a whole nother level this year. But my number one MVP candidate right now and who I say is probably 70% likely to win it this year, I say is the Joker, Nikola Jokic. He's only averaging 26-11-8 on 57% from the field, 42% from three-point land as a center, and 85% from the free throw line. His PER of 31.4 is actually the highest in the league this year. And the only guy who's even close to him is Joel Embiid. And like we say, the MVP is really not only about stats or the narrative, but availability. And like I said, at this point, Nikola Jokic, he's been there every night for the Nuggets even despite, you know, their own injury issues. Uh, And that really gives him the edge. And on top of that, you know, he really had a huge MVP moment the other night against the Grizzlies getting that dub and double overtime. He put up 47, 15 rebounds and eight assists. And, you know, shout out to Ja because he went head to head with them. But, you know, ultimately the Joker was the X factor. And, you know, I think he's got it pretty much sealed up at this point. I definitely do. Uh, He's my number one right now. Putting up monster numbers, 26 points, 11 rebounds, almost nine assists per game. That's something that's unheard of considering he plays center. He's one of the best passing players in in the league, let alone best big, big passers. Uh, Shooting over 40% from three, almost 57% from the field. 
85% from the free throw line. Uh, he's putting up career numbers across the board as well. He hasn't missed any games this year, and he has Denver sitting at fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, there's, I think there hasn't been a guy that's been that consistent and that durable all season long. And so I think that's what, you know, that's what gives him the edge over the rest of the field. Yeah, man. And, you know, a Jokic, he's just unlike anything we've seen really in history. Just I don't think there's really anything he can't do on the offensive end of the floor. You know, he sets screens. He brings the ball up. You know, his passing is nothing like we've never seen. Like I said, he's shooting 42% from three this year. I mean, what do you do with that? Not to mention his footwork, you know, is unmatched pretty much unless, you know, talking about Joel Embiid maybe uh, is up there with him. But, you know, like we said, I think it's pretty much Jokic uh, just to lose at this point. Definitely. I think, you know, I think his season is 72 games, if I'm not mistaken, this year. Yep, yep. Like, he can miss half of those games, and I, and I think he'd still be the MVP. Right, and at the time we're recording this, I think most teams have played about 57 games, 57, 58. So probably get about, th- about three, four weeks left of, of play, and, then, you know, playoffs will be here shortly. So, yeah, I think the, the MVP award at this point is Nikola Jokic award to lose. No doubt, and I mean, come on, how can you not love the Joker, man? The man is a the fun. The man is a master of the fundamentals. He can do everything on the court. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch play in the league right now. Definitely, you don't see guys with that level of skill, especially at that size. And he he will be the first uh, center to win MVP since Shaq back in two thousand. So, yeah, man. So shout out to Jokic. <laughs> oh yeah. Moving on to our last topic here, we're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. So they, you know, made a few trades, traded with the Miami Dolphins to move up to the number three pick, and they were presumably be drafting a quarterback. Now, you know, we've heard, I've heard several names, including, you know, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or even Justin Fields. So, Quinn, who do you think the 49ers should draft with the number three pick? Man, you know, this one is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> but, you know, First off, we've already made the biggest move of this draft. Coming from 12, nine spots up to the number three pick, it's just no way, you know, in my mind, we're not drafting some guy who we believe is a transcendent talent at the quarterback position. And, of course, everyone now believes, or, you know, depending on who you're listening to, a lot of people believe that the choice is going to be Mac Jones. And I can tell you now, if Mac Jones is drafted at number three overall, 90% of the 49er fan base, we're probably going to start a world war. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if Justin Fields is right there at the number three pick, there's no way the 49ers shouldn't be running his name up to the podium to be announced. I just don't get, you know, the Justin Fields hate uh, since the national championship game has really been dramatic and unwarranted, and I just don't get it. In my eyes, uh, you know, he's the best quarterback in this class outside Trevor Lawrence. And really, if he lands in San Francisco, which is the dream situation for any quarterback in this class right now, um, you know, he could end up 
career-wise, having the best uh, career out of all these top quarterbacks. You know, I believe a lot of the criticism really comes from the trend of Ohio State quarterbacks. And, you know, I get that. You know, Dwayne Haskins, Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, uh, you know, uh, Troy Smith, uh, Terrell Pryor. I mean, the list goes on. You got a lot of Ohio State guys who ended up being bad in the league. But I'm telling you now, Justin Fields is cut different. Uh, you know, 6'3", 230 pounds, can make any throw on the field. He just ran a 4-4 40-yard dash as a quarterback. I mean, I don't see really, I guess, the biggest criticism of him at this point is, you know, issues with him making reads and processing the field. And I get that, but that's coachable. A lot of young quarterbacks probably read the field slower than a guy who's been in the NFL seven, eight years. But, you know, talent-wise, you can't deny what he brings to the table. You know, his competitive fire is unmatched. He's an elite athlete. You know, he probably doesn't run nearly as much as he should, but I guarantee you with Kyle Shanahan, that'll get utilized. Uh, You know, he's a perfect fit in the offense, you know, with his ability to throw in the pocket and both on the move on rollouts and bootlegs. He's a great intermediate passer, which is pretty much a staple of our offense. And most notably, you know, he has a really good touch on his deep throws, which is, of course, something Jimmy G couldn't offer, which will completely unlock a whole nother level of our offense. And you know the weapons we have with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and even Brandon Ayuk coming on. But I believe Fields is the ideal fit for both now and in the future. For me, you know, honestly, I, th- I think they could go with either guy. I don't believe it would be a bad pick, to be completely honest with you. Because, you know, what Kyle Shanahan needs his quarterbacks to be, they need to have to have pre-snap ability, need to have accuracy and good decision-making skills. And, you know, with Justin Fields, uh, he's all of those things. He's twenty and two. Was twenty and two as a starter at Ohio State. Uh, he's a monster, like you said, six foot three, two hundred twenty eight pounds, a four 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 forty yard dash, plenty of fast. You know, uh, the thing with you know Justin Fields is you know he's he, he has all he has all the skills to necessarily be an elite quarterback. Like uh, the mobility is off the charts, and like you mentioned, is that you know he probably doesn't run as much as he could or as much as he should. But we do know that the 49ers like to use a lot of motion. Uh, they use motion at the highest rate uh, since Kyle Shanahan has joined. And uh, actually, you know, it works just right in Justin Fields' hand because he has the third most touchdowns uh, since 2017 in using motion. So it plays right into his hands. You know, the 49ers also like to utilize play action. And, you know, something that, you know, Justin Fields has done effectively, and especially under center, uh, under center running play action, he's completed 26 of 35 passes or for 384 yards and eight touchdowns. So he's shown the ability to play under center as well. Although, you know, being in a limited basis, uh, you know, based on how Ohio State plays offense. And I think, you know, even for Mac Jones, he fits the system as well because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, although they did draft RG3, they also drafted Kirk Cousins uh, back in 20, the 2012 draft. And Kirk Cousins, 
you know, ended up being a far better quarterback. You know, Mac Jones, I think, is comparable to to Kirk Cousins. He's six foot three, two hundred seventeen pounds. He's a little faster than I thought. Actually, it says reported that he ran a four six eight forty yard dash, which is you know plenty good enough for a quarterback. He throws with great anticipation, great timing, and has you know great ball placement. Sixteen to one as a starter. Like I said, he's very good on the short to intermediate stuff in terms of accuracy, and that's you know vitally important considering how much San Francisco relies on yards after the catch. You know, with guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, and even on deep balls, he's one of the best in college football. He's actually right behind Justin Fields and uh, Zach Wilson in terms of deep ball completion percentage. And he's completed about 61% of his deep passes last year, uh, which was third. And even, you know, when he's not completing passes, you know, there's a very small percentage of his passes that are off target. So it's showing that he doesn't put the ball in harm's way, even if he's not able to complete the pass, to be honest with you. So. He's definitely, you know, he's definitely valuable there too. I mean, of course, you know, ideally you want, you know, the biggest guy, the strongest guy, the fastest guy, you know, and, you know, the best guy in the pocket. But, you know, that doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, the best quarterback for this system. So, you know, I mean, you can you cannot be the biggest or the strongest or the fastest and still be, you know, extremely effective within the system. And I think Mac Jones could be effective as well. And even Trey Lance uh, to a lesser degree. He's six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Uh, reportedly runs in the mid four fives. He's undefeated. Has the same amount of starts as Mac Jones. Has seventeen uh, undefeated as a starter. Now, of all the quarter at the top quarterbacks that have been evaluated thus far, he's spent the most time under center. Uh, so you know that you know could contribute to if the 49ers do decide to select Trey Lance, uh, that would definitely make sense there. He's been a monster. Uh, they, the one season he's been a starter, he was a monster uh, under the play action under center. Completed 53 of 77 passes for over 800 yards and 12 touchdowns. And that's the best of any of the top five QB prospects. In the past 20 seasons, there's only been one quarterback in Division One to tip 200-plus passes in a season without him pick. And that guy is Trey Lance. So he's ultra-efficient. His one season as a starter, he was ultra-efficient. 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's also one of the most mobile mobile quarterbacks in the draft, if not, if not the most mobile. In this long season as a starter, he ran for over 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns. Uh, but I think one of the downfalls, you know, one of the – not I won't say downfalls, but one of the, the negatives about him is that he did play against FCS competition. And, I, you know, I think competition matters. And he didn't play, you know, at the highest level. And, you know, sometimes and his accuracy is also, you know, off a little bit at times. So, you know, I don't think they could go wrong with either guy. Personally, I would probably take Justin Fields uh, just because he's just as accurate as Mac Jones, but he's more mobile. Uh, so I think, you know, you added just an extra element, you know, in terms of the run game to that. So I would go with Justin Fields if I had to pick. Man, I just, for me, Mac Jones is the quote-unquote safe pick. And then I think out of all these guys, even though I would personally take Trey Lance over Mac Jones if I the 49ers, just because, once again, all these guys have a higher ceiling to me than Mac Jones, but Mac Jones has arguably uh, the lowest floor. Don't get me wrong. Mac Jones, he probably is ready to win now, but when you've, you know, savaged this much or mortgaged this much for your future, um, you're wanting a guy who can get you there for the next decade or so. And pretty much at this point, 
Mac Jones is probably topped out at what he's going to be in his career. You know, a guy like Justin Fields or even Trey Lance, there's just so much more potential that could be unlocked in those guys. And I think that's what you're looking for in a spot like this in the draft. You don't want a guy who's a system quarterback or a safe prospect. You just don't want to win games. Kirk Cousins wins you games, but when it matters, Kirk Cousins isn't going to be the playmaker that gets you that final push and gets your team ultimately to a possible Super Bowl. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't look at Mac Jones like that. I think Mac Jones can make plays when he needs to, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the, Kirk Cousins is, you know, an excellent quarterback. I think he's one of the top, you know, one of the top twelve quarterbacks in football. Uh, but there's been, like you said, there has been times where he wasn't able to get it done in the clutch. But I think Mac Jones could be could end up being a little better than Kirk Cousins, uh, within being you know, being in the right situation, of course. I personally think, like I said, I don't think Mac Jones is a scrub at all. I think Mac Jones could come in the league right now and in the right situation. Specifically, if he goes to San Francisco, he could be a top fifteen quarterback. Definitely. But like I said, I would take Fields. Can't go wrong with Trey Lance. I actually, you know, I think Mac Jones would be my third choice here uh, just because, you know, with Fields and Trey Lance, their athleticism adds another dynamic that, you know, Mac Jones doesn't offer. Exactly. And, I mean, look what Kyle Shanahan did with RG3 and how they they took the league by storm. Could you imagine, you know, Justin Fields, who is – arguably one of the best quarterback prospects in years. I think if you didn't have Tre- if you didn't have Trevor Lawrence or in any other of these past drafts, maybe last three, four years, uh Justin Fields could have been number one pick. Definitely, definitely. But you know, the draft is in in about two weeks, so I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of trades are gonna be made draft night, who falls where. Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, for me, it's exciting when your team's going to take a quarterback, man. I just hope we make the right pick. <laughs> and then also, we got to remember, it's not about, you know, where you go. Oh, you're not. It's not about, you know, what number you get drafted at. It's all about where you go and if you fit the system. And I think either of those guys will fit the system. Exactly, because, you know, honestly, in my opinion, Zach Wilson, out of all these guys, is probably most likely going to be the biggest bust of this class. Oh, no. I, you know, I got my, my reservations about Zach Wilson. I, I went back and watched some games, and there was some guys that were wide, wide open. And I talk about very wide open. I uh, played with one of the best offensive lines in the country and didn't play uh, the toughest competition at all. The one time he played a solid team, they lost, and he looked average so i have my reservations about it. i don't know if it'll be a bus uh it'll be interesting how they decide to build around them in new york but i think all these guys have an equally bright future and you know remember zach wilson was on that byu team they actually came to knoxville and beat us in overtime <laughs> but he didn't he wasn't anything special yeah but like i said i'm interested to see what they decide to do i would go with fields yeah, definitely. You you gotta go with Justin Fields, man. Have to. Yeah. He's the. I think he's the most proven. I and mean, the slander he's gotten over the past few weeks is kind of puzzling. Uh, but you know it is what it is. You can't listen to everybody. 
Definitely, definitely make sure you draw some question marks. Oh, yeah. But is there anything else you want to add, Quinn? Man, I think that's pretty much all I have, man. Um, I know there were a few other things. I know KD, he's on schedule to come back this weekend. Of course, um, he's been dealing with a thigh injury. Um, Also, I believe, of course, we talked about Damian Lillard. He's coming back tonight. And Anthony Davis also could possibly uh, be coming back tomorrow night against the Mavericks. So we could begin some big names back healthy and on the court. And hopefully we'll be able to add LeBron James to that list uh, relatively soon because the Lakers, we do we do need him, you know, as it gets closer to playoff time and trying to get that continuity and that chemistry going and, you know, peaking at the right time. Right, because I know at – you know, at the time we're recording this right now, they've slipped to the five seed in the Western Conference. So they definitely they I think if they get Anthony Davis back at least, he'll be able to keep them afloat and, you know, probably keep them top four, top five in the West. But preferably they like to get their home court. And you know, I think the four or five seed is perfect for them. I think you want to try to avoid the Clippers. You you want to avoid, you know, of course, uh, the Jazz, and you want to avoid the, the, the Phoenix Suns in the first round. So their four or five spot is actually kind of perfect for them unless they, sec- they can secure the three seed or something like that. I think – I honestly think they favor a matchup against a team like Phoenix first round. I don't see Phoenix being L- a healthy L.A. team in a seven-game series. But my thing is when are, when are we going to be – when are the Lakers going to be healthy is my thing. Right, right. Of course, that's the biggest X factor. But if they are healthy, I'm just saying I don't see I don't see Phoenix beating them. Me either. Not if they're healthy. Uh, but like I said, you know, NBA basketball is going to get you know real exciting. Playoff time is always exciting, and I'm excited. You know, I'm ecstatic to watch these teams down the stretch to see what how these you know rankings unfold. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I think that's about it, man. What's up? What you got? Man, well, but like I did last week, I just want to shout out uh, a black-owned business in this area again. I want to shout out a skinnish body and soul. That's a, a skincare company, a body care company. Uh, she's a certified uh, body sculptor, and also she's a Paul Mitchell esthetician student. Uh, does signature facials. Her name is Miss Tierra Tally. Like I said, look her up on Instagram at skinnish, S K I N I S H, body and soul, and she'll get you right. But that's all we got for y'all today. Just want to thank y'all for continuing to support us. Follow us on our social media pages. No, it's all it's all we got today. We out. All right, appreciate y'all, deuces. All right.